0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to Pucks and Pages.
1: My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife, as always, Liberty.
0: And this is the final episode before we go on break for Christmas, and then we'll be back in the new year.
1: It's fantastic. I'm ready for a little bit of a break, not only from work, which kind of worked out well this year, but also the podcast for a minute. Yes. Especially after this episode, because it's kind of a downer, thanks to COVID.
0: It's going to be a lot, but also it's all... A lot of not great news.
1: Yeah, I was joking with you last night that we should just compile a list of all the teams that are actively not playing games due to COVID across all the sports. And you're like, boy, that episode would be long. And I was like, yes, facts. (laughs) But starting off with the NHL, of course. Uh, This week, the NHL announced on Wednesday that they are reintroducing enhanced COVID-19 restrictions starting immediately. This will require players to be tested daily again. Uh, It will also not allow road teams to leave the hotels for any reason other than medical needs. Yeah. So, hooray.
0: Let's be honest. We should have been doing stuff like this the whole time because COVID was not over. It was never over. And now we're almost like starting over at the beginning all over again, except everyone should have known better.
1: The reality of it is, is like, I think we got comfortable and we thought we finally understood it. And then it was like round three of mutations. Here we come. And then the rest of the world was like, oh, we were not ready for this.
0: Two notes. First being we, you and I, never got comfortable, but we as a country did which is what's causing a lot of the problem here in the United States.
1: I would say both countries, realistically, the U.S. and Canada, like even Canada was finally starting to relax a little bit, and now they're tightening it back down again. So just that's kind of what I expected when I started hearing about the Omicron.
0: And the second note being that until we allow other people to produce the vaccine, because the U.S. has a stranglehold on the patents for the vaccines, Yeah, realistically, the only
1: one outside of the U.S. is AstraZeneca, and nobody wants
0: that shot anyways. Right. And so until we get rid of that stranglehold we have on it, we're just going to keep getting different variants, and we're going to run out of letters and have to start at the top.
1: Right. But speaking of how the uh, Canadian government's cracking back down on it, the Ontario government announced that their capacity requirements for indoor sports events will start early this past Saturday, so yesterday. December 18th. Uh, Yep. They are only allowing 50% capacity at games with proof of vaccination. And I wouldn't be surprised in the upcoming weeks we hear about uh, guaranteed negative
0: tests. I also think that they've mandated something in Canada about also wearing masks. So you have to be vaccinated and wearing a mask to attend a game that is only at 50% capacity. And it's not like in the US where they say that. And then when you walk in, you see people just immediately take them off they are going to have people correcting people for not wearing their mask and getting them kicked out if they don't fix it.
1: Yeah, that's definitely been one of the weirdest things because the NHL's policies on it when it comes to fans are required to wear masks unless they're eating or drinking. Obviously, it's very hard to eat with a mask on. But that being said, like people are... We're definitely abusing it like, well, I have a beer or a soda right here and at any time you come down to ask me about my mask, I'm just going to take a sip of my drink right, and then continue to do so until you leave. And it's just like, okay, so you're abusing the policy 110%.
0: Well, and we didn't even have people doing that per se at the games that we went to October and November of this year. It was just, I'm not wearing a mask and no one's calling me on it. And that's just how it is.
1: Right. And then we start talking about all the teams that are missing games now. So uh, the most recent one was as of yesterday. The Toronto Maple Leafs have had two games postponed for this weekend. The games that were meant to be played last night and tonight will be rescheduled.
0: So the 18th and the 19th, those games are being postponed. And of course, they haven't been rescheduled yet because who the F knows what's going on. And there's such a long list of games that have to be rescheduled. It's going to be like trying to rework a season, basically, of postponed games.
1: At this point, they have one more game before the Christmas break. So we'll see if they have, A, a healthy enough roster, B, to clear COVID protocol requirements to even play in another game before the end of the Christmas break. Right. Which would be January 7th, I believe, is when everybody else comes back, so...
0: Also in Canada, the Calgary Flames originally had their games postponed through at least December 16th due to six players and one staff member entering NHL's COVID protocols within a 24-hour period. But then, four days later, the postponed games extended through December 23rd with 19 players, three coaches, and nine support staff members in protocol. Everyone's just making out in the Calgary Flames. How do you get... Your whole roster, practically, and coaches yeah. and support staff.
1: Yeah. And so the big thing here, realistically, is I'm hoping the NHL does investigations kind of like the NFL has been doing when right. teams have been blowing up with COVID cases where they're like, you're clearly weren't even following our policies and then starts dealing out fines because they're realistically putting a player's health at risk, staff members health at risk, which is not acceptable in my my mind anyways.
0: And so all of this together means that they are not scheduled to play again until December 27th, which means they have like a week off, a little over a week, which is a good Christmas break if you're in the NHL. Not quite what they wanted, but.
1: Is it though? Because like if you're one of the lucky players, it's not sick, I guess it would be. But like if you're one of the people that has it, that sucks so hard.
0: Mm hmm. And the game between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Minnesota Wild at Excel Energy Center in St. Paul, Minnesota on Tuesday, December 14th was canceled after four Hurricanes entered the NHL COVID protocol. The rescheduled date for that game is still to be determined. The Hurricanes did end up playing the Detroit Red Wings on Thursday, December 16th as scheduled. So it looks like it's just the one game.
1: They probably were able to bring up enough players from the AHL to sacrifice at risk for COVID to play in some games. Probably true. It's also Detroit.
0: The game between the Montreal Canadiens and Boston Bruins for Saturday, December 18th, was postponed due to COVID. Again, makeup is to be determined. The Canadians are set to resume their regular season schedule on Monday, December 20th. And then there were three players who were placed into NHL COVID protocol by the Boston Bruins on Thursday, December 16th. It's Jeremy Swayman, Anton Blittle, and Trent Frederick. And they're joining forwards Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and Craig Smith in protocol. They were already in protocol. I was going to say like blacklisted, but that's not what that is. If only. Oh, man.
1: Could you imagine if we You got can't of-
0: lick people,
1: especially right now, sir. Let's say if we get rid of Marshand, it would be fantastic.
0: The remaining games, until after Christmas break, have also been postponed for the Bruins, so they also get a long Christmas break. Not the kind they wanted, I'm sure. And then I think the last two teams, as of when I wrote my notes... Were the Colorado Avalanche and the Florida Panthers, who have both had games postponed through the NHL holiday break due to COVID concerns? Colorado had four games scheduled before the break, and Florida had three. No makeup dates have been announced yet for those games. Each team is scheduled to play next on December 27th. Colorado has five players in the COVID protocols at the moment, and Florida has seven. So no one is surprised it's Florida. And as of when I wrote my notes last night, there were 20 games postponed this season, but there were more last night and this morning. So I'm not sure what that new number is yet.
1: It seems to be a pretty fluidly growing number. (laughs) Moving on to player health rather than COVID news for the first time today. Uh, Alexander Edler was placed on IR with a lower body injury by the LA Kings on Sunday, December 12th. The defenseman was injured in the game against the Minnesota Wild on Saturday, December 11th. When he was checked by forward Brandon Duheim, Kings coach Todd McClellan said after the game that it will be a long term injury for Edler.
0: Which does not sound good. It's not good when your coach is like, yeah, there's a long one.
1: Well, Edler's not a young player anymore. Like, obviously, he's like our age, which isn't. So bad. Like, I think he's a few years younger than us. But that's, like, old in the world of hockey. If you're not in your, like, mid to young 20s, you're already old in the Mm -hmm. NHL world. So
0: They're starting to break out the walkers and the canes for you. Yeah. But not the hurricanes. I saw that in your eyes.
1: I know. I was going to say, but not yet. The power chairs. So they're not quite there yet. Also this week, uh, Gabriel Landeskog will be out for two weeks for the Colorado Avalanche due to a lower body injury. He was injured in the game against the Detroit Red Wings on Friday, December 10th.
0: Not like he's going to miss that many games now, though.
1: Well, it's better than COVID, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, if you have to be something.
0: Blake Wheeler will be out several weeks for the Winnipeg Jets due to a knee injury. Coach Paul Maurice said on Monday, December 13th, we'll just say this is weeks, not days. The forward was injured in the game against the Vancouver Canucks on Friday, December 10th. Also not something you want your coach to be saying about your injury.
1: Well, we'll talk about it later, but he's no longer their coach.
0: I mean, he was when he made the statement.
1: Yes. (laughs) And then Kevin LeBanc will be out three months for the San Jose Sharks because of a dislocated shoulder. He was injured in the game against the Dallas Stars on Saturday, December 11th. LeBanc is set to have surgery next week. Sharks coach Bob Bounier, I don't know. I probably completely butchered that. Maybe it's French Canadian. We'll find out. Speculated that the recovery time could be three months or more.
0: I mean, there was another direction you could have taken the pronunciation that I'm glad you didn't because it's a very bad word for our podcast. But three months sounds like a really long time for a dislocated shoulder. So I'm feeling like there's got to be a lot of damage that happened either when it happened or getting put back into place.
1: Clean up some tendons and stuff up in there probably.
0: And weirdly, we had one signing.
1: Yeah, when I saw this, when I was going through my notes, I was like, it's kind of a random thing, but it makes sense. Like, this dude has deserved a contract for a while, so I'm not shocked.
0: So, Robbie Fabry signed a three-year, $12 million contract with the Detroit Red Wings on Monday, December 13th. It has an AAV of $4 million. He is in his final season of a two-year contract and would have become an unrestricted free agent after this season.
1: He's been a pretty core part of the Red Wings over the last few years, so it kind of makes sense that you would extend a contract to him. So, kind of a no-brainer. But on to the other news in the NHL world, we're done with signings and health nonsense. The Vancouver Canucks have announced that Stan Smeal is the new vice president of hockey operations. Uh, Smeal was the temporary GM until the team hired Jim Rutherford. The Canucks also hired Calgary Flames pro scout Derek Clancy as their new assistant GM as well this week. So... Obviously, when they started firing people in the Canucks, it was not one person. We saw about five total staff members from the front office go. So It was pretty ugly. Uh, it was a little bit of a fire sale. So they've now filled three of the five positions. So Rutherford is still working on trying to make some final additions. If you don't know Derek Clancy's history... He was the head of pro scouting for the Penguins in the years leading up to your back-to-back Stanley Cup win. So maybe so he, he deserves the job. Kind of knows what he's doing, to mm-hmm. say the least. So, And then Andre Vasilevsky has set an NHL record for most wins as a goalie in a calendar year. He's now won a total of 63 games during the 2021 calendar year itself. He has an opportunity to add one more before the year is over, so it's just like, hey, why not put another one on there, 64. Set that record bar a little higher.
0: What is the most amount of wins per season, though?
1: I don't know that one off the top of my head. I just know the calendar year one now because it's Mm
0: -hmm. 63. Yeah. Yeah. This next one I want to run over very briefly just because I hate talking about this. Not because I disapprove of what's happened or that I don't like the person that is having good things happen for him now. But this is a touchy subject for me and so I want to run through it briefly. Kyle Beach and the Chicago Blackhawks have reached a settlement in Beach's negligence lawsuit against the team. The former player for the team alleged that he was sexually assaulted by video coach Brad Aldrich. The team mishandled the situation from the time they were informed of the incident until now. The settlement is confidential, which means we'll never know what Beach received from the team as a part of the settlement, but. We know that he got a settlement.
1: Yeah, what I've been hearing is millions of dollars, but go figure. I mean... It's deserved.
0: It's his money. He deserved that money. He deserved more than that. Whatever you gave him, he deserved more than that.
1: The the reality is it ruined his NHL career because it kind of blackballed him. Nobody wanted to be involved because they didn't know what happened. And so it's just like he could have been making millions and millions of dollars. And because of that, yeah, you absolutely owe him That. that. Right. I don't disagree. I think it was... The right thing to do, finally.
0: He deserved more than that, and he deserved to be treated better than that by the team because the Blackhawks had said as late as mid-May that his allegations lacked merit because several times going over what happened, Beach has mentioned that he's got some memory lapses in the trauma. And it's like, do you understand trauma? Because that that happens happens. all the time. That is completely normal and standard. Right. And because he can't remember one or two details, you're like, oh, it clearly couldn't have happened. Like, F you. Yeah. And at one point, I believe, I don't have it in my notes because this is just off the top of my head, the owners of the team said to the people who were working with the legal team, to just pay the man and it didn't happen for months and months and months in the, into arbitration, mediation, whatever you want to call it. And so like you got to go ahead from the people who write checks for the team
1: to get it fixed. And, sooner you, and you did nothing. And
0: you were pointing a finger at this guy saying, no, this lacks merit. Are you effing kidding me?
1: Yeah. So obviously if, the ownership was telling them to pay it off. They realized that there was something of merit. Mm-hmm. And the PR people, on the other hand, it's their job to protect the organization and the ownership. But at the same time, it's like, they don't want protection. They know there's merit. That's why they want to pay them off.
0: Right. So, like, pay them. Well, and also, it looks better if you just do the thing versus, like, all this dragged out BS when everyone knows what happened at this point. Right. Because there was an independent review that was released in October that showed how exactly the team completely mishandled the allegation. Yeah. And, like, just everything from there on was a crap show. That's Obviously. one way to say that. But, like, every time I think about this situation and we talk about it, I, like, see red. And it's hard for me to talk about, but Beach deserved better. The minor that Aldridge later went on to assault deserved better. And the fans of the organization deserve better.
1: I agree wholeheartedly. And I know actively this week that they do have meetings set to meet with the mother and the kid if he decides to appear, which I would not if I was him. I'd be like, listen, like, it's not my responsibility for you to figure out how to fix this. Right. Like,
0: well, and the meeting is more about like writing him a check. Well, thing
1: it's better than doing nothing. Yeah. Like, and they already did the nothing before. So why would they repeat that process, I guess? So, like, I'm glad they're doing something. But, like, money doesn't solve the trauma that that kid is going to live with for the rest of right. his life. Like, it might make it easier for him to seek out help because he could have money to see some of the best qualified people. And in which case, A should be settling it with a check for damages to himself and then paying for everything that he needs medical expense-wise for the rest of his life. Right, Like, anything related to what occurred should be involved with the Blackhawks going, here's the money for that. Mm -hmm. Just send us the bill. We'll pass it on, the monies. And,
0: like, the Blackhawks are one of the... Like, we talked about it, I think it was last week. Like, they have the most net worth, according to Forbes. Like, one of the top ones in the league.
1: Yeah, they're one of the top six teams in in the league, so.
0: And so, like, you're trying to, like, save your team money or save face or whatever you're trying to do. No one cares. Yeah. You owe these people for the rest of their lives because of what happened with him. If you had just gone to the police when the allegations came out, there's a chance that that minor never would have been assaulted. Right. I mean, I know how assault is treated in the courts, so like there's still a chance he would have gone on to assault someone later, but there is a chance that this child would have never had their life completely messed up.
1: To clarify, to give you an idea, the Wurtz family who owns the Blackhawks actively is valued at $4.4 billion net worth. Mm-hmm. They have plenty of money to fix this problem. Yep when it comes to spending money on things and rocky words, like he seems like a guy that cares about his fan base and other people. So it's like you ignored it. A you can claim maybe you didn't know because you're just the owner and you're not involved in day-to-day things. But the reality is like something like this doesn't not make it to you. I feel like, so it's like if anybody owes this kid stuff, it's your whole family. Mm -hmm. Like you should be taking care of him for the rest of his life. That's the way I see it. Anyways. But on better and brighter news...
0: Well, we're not going to go back there. Yeah. No.
1: Full speed ahead to get away from it as quickly as we can. Bill Guerin of the Minnesota Wild was named GM of the United States men's ice hockey team that will compete at the 2022 Beijing Olympics on Tuesday, December 14th. Guerin replaces Stan Bowman, who stepped down on October 26th following an independent investigation of former Chicago Blackhawks player Kyle Beach's allegations of sexual assault by then-video coach Brad Ulrich in the 2010 season.
0: So I was wrong. We are going back.
1: I was like, maybe a little little dabble. Uh, New York Rangers GM Chris Drury was named assistant GM for the Olympic team. Those are two pretty good names for GM and assistant GM for a team. So Just hoping the NHL will let players partake. The way COVID's going right now, they...
0: Might not. Well, but also quickly discussing the Olympics, there is a chance that if you go to the Olympics as a player, you're going to end up stuck in that country for weeks, if not months, because of COVID-related stuff. And if you are a professional hockey player, you cannot afford to miss that many games. Right. On top of being away from your family. Correct. So I have a feeling you're going to see more NHL players drop out as the COVID situation continues to get worse.
1: Yeah, hopefully it gets better before it gets worse, but we all know that the reality is the reality, and it will probably be worse. Mm -hmm. And this one is kind of one we dabbled into a little bit. It goes a little more into definition of, like, the injury. We talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, Ben Bishop of the Dallas Stars obviously resigned this past, past week by, like, one day. He said it was due to a knee injury that makes typical goalie moves difficult. He goes, if I was a forward, I could be playing right now. I feel like maybe that's a little rude for assuming. But um, just with the butterfly, the torque you put on your knee, it just couldn't really get better. He last played in Game 5 of the 2020 Western Conference, second round on August 31st. He missed all of the last season after having surgery to repair a torn meniscus in his right knee on October 21st, 2020. So he's been out for a hot minute.
0: He did play an AHL game and then was just like, nope.
1: They lost 8-1. to Mhm. They let him play through because it was a recovery game, but clearly there was no recovery.
0: Yeah. We have an update kind of about Jason Spezza. He was suspended for kneeing Winnipeg Jets defenseman Neil Pionk in the game on December 5th and has had his six-game suspension from the NHL Department of Player Safety upheld but reduced to four games instead of six because of how long it took for them to come to this decision, he has already sat out the four games. And so over the weekend, he was supposed to return for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but then, of course, those games were postponed.
1: And then, as we discussed a little bit earlier, Paul Maurice has resigned as coach of the Winnipeg Jets on Friday, December 17th. It was in his ninth season with the Winnipeg Jets. He was 315, 223, and 62 in 600 games. Dave Lowry, who was one of Maurice's assistant coaches, will take over the coaching job for the Jets for the remainder of the season.
0: Yeah. And I'd seen some people talking about this, asking if this was sort of a spur of the moment decision, but. Maurice had been talking with management, I guess, since this summer, and then they finally came to a decision this past week for him to retire or resign.
1: They more than likely just wanted a little comfort related to who he was leaving the reins to, I would imagine, like that he could do the job. And I'm sure that you probably saw less and less of Maurice really being involved with the head coaching as it came along, but...
0: Well, and it seemed like he just felt like he wasn't a good fit for the team anymore. And instead of, like, blaming the players, he's like, it's me and I should leave. Yeah. Which I feel like is a decent thing to do instead of just pointing the fingers at other people.
1: It's an honorable way to kind of go out. Yeah.
0: And moving into the NFL, there is, of course, a lot of COVID news.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm starting to think next time with the podcast, we just start with all the COVID news from the different leagues and then just power through the normal things after that.
0: Maybe. Starting off, 36 NFL players, 25 of whom are on the active roster and 11 who are on the practice squads, were placed on the COVID list on Monday, December 13th as a result of positive tests. This is the largest number of additions to the list since its creation in 2020. Following the rash of positive tests, the NFL is mandating that all Tier 1 and Tier 2 personnel who are eligible must receive booster shots by December 27th. One of these 36 positives came from a Tier 3 staffer from the Washington football team who tested positive for the Omicron variant, and it is the first known case of that variant within the league. Yay, you're number one.
1: I feel like it's not the kind of situation where you're like, comment first. (laughs) Like, it's (laughs) not one you're excited about.
0: And like, of course, it's the Washington football team. Who else would it be?
1: It is the year of the Washington football team over the last year, two years, roughly. It's just not been good publicity for anything going on for them.
0: Amid this surge in cases, the NFL is altering its health and safety protocols. The league announced the changes on Thursday, December 16th. I'm going to quote the memo they sent out. Effective immediately, all clubs will implement preventative measures that have proven effective, masking regardless of vaccination status, remote or outdoor meetings, eliminating in-person meals, and no outside visitors while on team travel. We will continue to strongly encourage the booster shots as the most effective protection. Finally, and based on expert advice, we will adjust the return to participation requirements for those who have recovered from COVID. Fully vaccinated individuals will continue to test weekly and unvaccinated individuals daily.
1: They did amend that literally within about four days of releasing it, which is a little scary. So the said changes... Since the article, the NFL and NFL Players Association have recently agreed to end weekly testing for vaccinated players in favor of targeted testing.
0: I target all of you. All of you need to be tested.
1: Vaccinated players will only be tested if they are symptomatic.
0: That is so dumb because you can give other people COVID even if you have no symptoms. Correct. This is so stupid.
1: So that's what changed. Obviously within that original change of the rules and updates they are requesting that if you are in close contact with a covid person or patient you will still have to be tested whether you're vaccinated or not which which is crazy to me that that wasn't in the rules <laughs> like if you're a close contact absolutely it should be immediate now a lot of teams were already doing that so they could keep tabs on how many people were actually sick but At the same time, like this change to targeted testing for vaccinated players...
0: It's so stupid.
1: ...is, I think, risky as all get out. And I'm sure the Players Association is who pushed it, not necessarily the NFL. Because the NFL is like... But
0: they agreed to it. Right. That's the problem.
1: Correct. They did change things for the better and then for the worse within one week's time.
0: The surge in COVID cases across the league has resulted in the postponement of multiple games in Week 15... The Saturday game between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Cleveland Browns has been moved to Monday.
1: And this is all because how bad the Browns are dealing with it right
0: now? Apparently 20 players?
1: Yeah, Yeah. as of literally yesterday, the updated numbers. So that number where you had the small, cute little 25 active roster players is definitely changed
0: a little bit. Yeah. And Sunday's game between the Washington football team and the Philadelphia Eagles, as well as the Seattle Seahawks game against the LA Rams, have both been moved to Tuesday. I I don't know what a couple days is going to do for you, but maybe you'll finally have like a completed roster again.
1: So the funny thing about this is Baker Mayfield went on a little bit of a rant. He's also one of the 20 players that tested positive for COVID-19 for the Browns. He said, what is a difference of three days going to make? You should postpone this game at least a week or postpone everybody's games for a week so we all have time to quarantine and maybe not be sick for these games. Right. And he goes, this is just another move by the NFL not caring about player health and safety. And I was like,
0: go off. Yeah.
1: Oof. Baker lay it lay it down hot on them jeez Louise but the reality is it's like it makes sense it's it's common sense at this point so it's like
0: it doesn't sound that common
1: who cares if you push the season back one extra week like the Super Bowl stadiums not moving it's still in the same place mm-hmm. like the playoff games haven't even been determined so who the hell cares like you're not changing anything and I just don't grasp that like oh god no the fans have to come back a week later to see the game rather than the the same day for the tickets. It's like, who cares? That's such a simple change. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. It doesn't make
0: any sense, no.
1: And and you're seeing other organizations and other leagues adapting their COVID plans, and the NFL is just like, nah, we're good. Yeah. And the reality is they're one of the worst leagues in the world right now with COVID. So it's just like, I don't know. Are you good?
0: In... Non-COVID player health news, the Arizona Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins is set to have knee surgery for a torn MCL. He is expected to miss the rest of the regular season, but has a chance to return if the Cardinals advance deep enough into the playoffs, or if the season gets pushed back a week, maybe. Hopkins suffered the injury late in the game against the LA Rams on Monday, December 13th. His expected recovery time is six weeks.
1: I was talking to a Cardinals fan the other day in the store literally about this. I'm sorry,
0: are, this. are you okay? What? Well, you hate the St. Louis Cardinals, so I just assumed it was similar.
1: I actually don't hate the St. Louis Cardinals that much. I hate the St. Louis Blues. That is a fact. But the reality of it was he didn't even realize that Hopkins was out. And I'm like, do you follow your own team? But the reality is it sucks because that's a huge offensive weapon for Kyler Murray. Obviously, Kyler Murray being an XOU quarterback, we still support him. And it's sad to see that he's lost one of his better offensive pieces. But also this week, Detroit Lions tight end TJ Hawkinson will be out for the rest of the season after undergoing surgery on his hand on Thursday, December 16th. Hawkinson is expected to make a full recovery in time for the off season activities. I love that you put in the notes. Pool parties.
0: Pool parties? Is that not an off season activity? No.
1: Talking about off season workouts and practices, but
0: yeah. Swimming. Isn't that a good workout? Sure. Pool parties.
1: Yep. They're going to have off-season Marco Polo tournaments.
0: They should. Yeah. Or fish out of water. Did you ever play that as a kid?
1: That was Marco Polo. It was an extension of it, wasn't it? Well,
0: I mean, it's not really Marco Polo. It's a little different.
1: Like you, you would shout fish out of water if you're playing Marco Polo, if you thought somebody was out of the water.
0: I think we had a couple other rules too. I don't know. Okay. But anyway, L.A. Chargers tight end Donald Parham has been diagnosed with a concussion this week. He stayed in the hospital overnight for observation and was discharged on Friday, December 17th. Parham suffered a concussion in the game against the Chiefs at SoFi Stadium and needed to be structured off the field. He is in his second season with the NFL and has appeared in all but one of L.A.'s games this season. That's really rough when you're that young and you have that bad of a concussion. It
1: happens even younger to players, like even at the college and high school level. So Mm -hmm. like, I feel like at a certain extent, you're just kind of used to it as a professional athlete, but hopefully you can make it to the pros without ever having to experience one because concussions aren't fun.
0: Well, but you know, a lot of players go to like double digit seasons and like in your second season, you have a concussion where you have to stay overnight in a hospital. Like that's rough. This is true. And, like, when you get a concussion, you're more prone to getting more concussions. Right. And so, like, this could be, like, a bad road for him to have to go down.
1: Quite possibly. But in brighter news, uh, speaking of the quarterback that everybody hates to love.
0: No, I just love to hate him.
1: Okay. Uh, Tom Brady threw his 700th career touchdown pass. He already has the NFL career record, so it's just another, like, made it a little larger moment uh, to win their game against the Buffalo Bills this past week. He also became the NFL leader in most completions by a quarterback with his 7,143rd a completed pass, which honestly, like if you have the most touchdowns, I'm kind of shocked you also don't have the most completions, but there's always been a good running game around him. So maybe that's why he doesn't have as many past completions.
0: Probably. And something I found interesting when I was browsing through all the news articles this week was that no playoff spots have been clinched through week 14. This is just the third time since the NFL moved to a 16-game season in 1978 for no teams to clinch this late in the season. And I think part of the reason is it's now moved from 16 to 17, correct? And so you have the extra game, the extra points they can pick up or whatever. So I'm thinking probably by this time next week someone will clinch, I think, were the Cardinals up there. clinch this week and they lost
1: yeah the cardinals were really close to clinching you also have the chargers and the chiefs were like one game away they both played each other so it only counted like a half a game worth of space because like okay they're playing each other um because
0: things are weird sports are weird
1: yep um so the reality of it is is by next week we'll probably have teams that clinch i would imagine who knows we still have so many games left because of all these delays so there's always a chance that somebody will clinch today or tomorrow or Tuesday. <laughs> and then the NFL informed clubs that the 2022 salary cap is projected to be at $208.2 million. This expands the cap space by $25.7 million compared to this season. That is the maximum amount agreed upon by the NFL and NFL Players Association back in May. So it's a pretty big bump. Yeah.
0: Well, from what I can tell, you know, teams were crying and crying about losing money in all sports because of COVID. But this year, 2021, they've been making that money and more back. Well,
1: it's because people have been desperate to get back out to sporting events. Go figure.
0: Well, and, like, they upped ticket prices and food prices at most stadiums or arenas. Yeah. And then on top of that, people were buying, like, jerseys and crap as well. Like, so... I'm not surprised that there was this big of a bump because of the revenue coming in this year. Right. This week, we also found out some news about the next Super Bowl home that needed to be awarded. Is that the right way to say that? Yeah, like, ish. Because but, everyone else has been picked except for this next game, this next Super Bowl.
1: Well, the next Super Bowl has already been picked. Well, so. I don't
0: mean the next. I mean the next one to be awarded or given a home.
1: Yes, that. That sounds better-ish. It still sounds like it's kind of next year, but like I get what you mean.
0: So, Allegiant Stadium, which is home of the Las Vegas Raiders, will be the host of the Super Bowl LVIII, which is 58, in 2024, tentative date being February 11th. So, not the next Super Bowl. Obviously. It was reported on Tuesday, December 14th, that team owners were expected to approve that decision, during their annual meeting in Dallas on Wednesday, December 15th. My question, why the hell are you in my city? You don't belong here. Las Vegas is in the West.
1: It was the annual meeting of owners and boards. For the Las Vegas Raiders. No, for the NFL. It wasn't just for the Raiders. (laughs) I love you.
0: Do you? (laughs) Yes. Also, why would all of you come here anyway?
1: It's probably cheap to fly here because it's a hub. Probably. As well, too, Jerry Jones does have a pretty cushy setup for anybody that visits for the NFL, so that probably helps too.
0: For like 30 whatever plus owning groups?
1: Easy. The stadium is almost $150 billion, so yeah, I'm pretty sure he can afford to lift a finger, put him up in some nice suites. Yeah. Uh, The Jacksonville Jaguars this week fired Urban Meyer as head coach after a 2-11 start to his first season in the NFL. Jaguars offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel will be the interim head coach for the final four games of the regular season. His record and an incident reported recently by the Jaguars' former kicker related to Urban Meyer kicking him during a practice during preseason is being tied to his reason for termination. Yeah. I just think it's weird about this because on Monday the owner was... Literally quoted saying, I have no plans to terminate Urban Meyer. And then Thursday, he was like, well, it's time for him to go. (laughs) I'm like, I guess he took a two-day period to think about it and was just like, I'm done. So it's just like, man.
0: Sometimes people are just liars. Yeah, Yeah. Especially in sports, it seems. Clearly. And we don't really have COVID news for the MLB because A, they're in a lockout and B, it's off season anyway.
1: Well, the players can't actively be tested right now because of the lockout, so it's just... Well, also,
0: they can't go into the building for medical stuff, and they can't go into the building for any practices, so...
1: They can do nothing. Let's sit at home and maybe start a Twitch stream channel.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They are quarantining yet again. Yeah.
1: Uh, But in the short of the short news, when it comes to hirings, the New York Mets announced their new manager to be Buck Showalter. Showalter has kind of been a senior head coach for a long, long time for a bunch of different teams. Most recently, the Orioles, he had about a five-year stint with them. Prior to that, the Yankees, he was with Tampa Bay for a little while. So like, he's kind of the guy you hire when you're not quite sure who you want to be your head coach, but then you're like, "He'll, he'll be here for a few years and maybe fix a couple things. So we'll see what ends up happening. Because, like, the Orioles got good underneath him. Like, he they played well for about three of his five seasons,
0: so. That still sounds like a weird thing. Like, don't know who to hire? Hire this guy. Pretty much. That's so weird. And the actual, like, even kind of important news to come out this week from the MLB, because there were a lot of minor league signings that we aren't going to discuss, but the actual news is that for the first time since the start of the MLB lockout on December 1st, The League and Players Association reportedly met on Thursday, December 16th. The two sides discussed, quote, non-core economic issues, including scheduling, grievance procedures, special events, and or the drug and domestic violence policies. So I guess they were worried about knocking out all of the easy stuff in this first meeting and then the actual like financial stuff just at the next one. It looks like negotiations related to the major sticking points will not happen until the new year. Among the main issues that need to be worked out between the league and Players Association are revenue sharing, arbitration, and the number of years of service players must accrue before becoming free agents. I'm assuming the players want that to be a smaller number.
1: What the players really want is a higher percentage of their product sales. It's like one of the big argument points that they're going for and... Mm -hmm. Do you blame them? You're making money off of printing their name on the back of a thing that they wear for your team,
0: right? So, like, I don't, it's my name. Yeah, I should get some of that money. Yeah,
1: more of that money. They're Mm. getting some of it already, but more of
0: it. And thankfully, that's all of the MLB news.
1: I feel like it's going to be that way for probably about two months. I would imagine. We'll see. It's it's a slow process, and a lot of the rumors coming out of the M O B R are saying that it might not even be done by the time spring training is done, technically, normally. So, we'll see what happens.
0: Though the, is it Manfred? Yeah. Did I actually remember that, the commissioner's name? Yes. Manfred. Mm-hmm. Go me. I hate this sport, and I remembered his name. Yeah. Please be proud of me. I am. I'm sorry, I don't have
1: fireworks for you and like... I
0: mean, you should.
1: Full marching bands coming through. My name is Liberty. I deserve (laughs) (laughs) no less. Yeah.
0: Anyway, he has been coming out to the media and saying, no, we'll definitely have this handled in time for spring training and a full season. Like, this will not be an issue. And yet all the whisperings that I was reading about in all the articles I read were like, no, "No, this isn't happening. Manfred's full of it. We'll be lucky if we get to start the regular season in time. Right. We'll be lucky if we get to play the same amount of games as usual. Correct. Like I said earlier, sports are full of people who lie.
1: Particularly commissioners of sports as well.
0: Yeah. In the NBA, there is, of course, COVID news. Due to the surge in COVID cases across the U.S., new COVID guidelines loom for players and team staff. Beginning this past Friday, December 17th, NBA players who have not received a booster dose will be subject to game day testing. The current data from the NBA indicates that more than 60% of players have gotten their booster shots, which is great. It needs to be higher, but it's great.
1: Yeah, it's definitely higher than pretty much any other league, so, like, it's good. I s- I still am a believer that if you're playing on game day, whether you have a booster shot or not, you probably should still get, like, at least a rapid test. Correct. At least minimum. So, I don't know. I feel, like, hooray, but I feel like, again, it's just kind of like, we're doing this great thing, and then we're like, oh, let's just take this little step back down.
0: Yeah, not enough.
1: This past week the Chicago Bulls had two games postponed due to health and safety protocols. Uh Detroit on December fourteenth, Toronto on December sixteenth. The team had ten of the team's players in protocol as of Saturday morning. No makeup dates were announced. So we got three players back and we added two players yesterday
0: in the evening time. So like So three steps forward and two steps back.
1: Yeah, so we're at nine players actively on protocol instead of
0: ten. ten. Yeah. That's good, at least. Yeah, it's
1: an improvement. And they're starting players, which is important because we've we've not had them for a while. Yeah.
0: And we kind of discussed this earlier with the NHL. Canada is reducing the fan capacity to 50% due to the new COVID variant. So that means for the Toronto Raptors, they are reducing fan capacity to 50%. This comes after new restrictions were announced by the province of Ontario The arena will also implement an enhanced mask protocol requiring all attendees to strictly adhere to all mask wearing protocols or risk ejection from the building.
1: Yeah, which obviously is a good thing. Do it. The thing that's got a lot of people upset at this point is...
0: COVID is still happening because no no one wears masks. everybody's
1: upset about that. But (laughs) that's the thing that's happening. No, the way that Toronto is handling the ticket refunds like both the Maple Leafs and the raptors have announced that they're obviously going to cater to the season ticket holders because a they're season ticket holders right that's Um, where a
0: majority of their revenue comes from right tickets
1: every single year so like a lot of people have been getting emails from the organizations going we're sorry to inform you but we're refunding you for your tickets Mm -hmm. which i guess is better than just not knowing what's going on but Mm At the same time, like, as a fan, like, if you planned, like, a trip to Toronto to see your team play, like, it would be a little bit of a bummer to just get that email.
0: Well, that actually happened to one of the hosts of the Steve Dangle podcast. His wife had planned this whole, like, pre-Christmas or post-Christmas thing that they were going to do as a date night, and they had a babysitter, and they had planned, like, hotel and food and all this stuff, and then, like, no, here's your refund.
1: Yeah. Hopefully, you can get your money back on everything else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We had a couple of injuries this week as well in the NBA. The LA Lakers' Anthony Davis injured his left knee on Friday, December 17th. He was due for an MRI on Saturday, December 18th. I think you saw the MRI results more recently than I have.
1: Yes, they were announced last night via like a leak of information, and then the Lakers confirmed it this morning Okay, um, that the MRI came back showing an MCL sprain Davis will be out for a minimum of four weeks and will be reevaluated after that time period.
0: So at least he only needs rehab and not surgery. Correct. And Zion Williamson has received an injection that is meant to promote bone healing in his right foot, which he had fractured this past season. He will be limited to low-impact partial weight-bearing activities for an extended period of time. He'll be reevaluated in four to six weeks when they do further imaging.
1: Do you think they're, like, injecting him with the same stuff that's, like, the bone growth stuff that they use in Harry Potter? No. Oh, okay.
0: But it is a blood product, I am pretty sure. Yeah. Because you have your production of your red blood cells, and that ends up creating bone growth as far as my medical understanding is, which is not, like, super high, but... So it's a blood product of some kind, and that is supposed to help. Like
1: it's targeted.
0: I feel like I would just pass out if that happened, but.
1: (laughs) We did have one signing this week, and the reality is there were more than than this because of everybody that has
0: COVID in the NBA. There was only one I saw, but I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Well, the Bulls signed four people, so. Oh, okay. You definitely missed a few. I I can fathom the other teams that are also dealing with it. Yeah. Probably signed some people, too but Isaiah Thomas officially signed a 10-day contract with the Los Angeles Lakers this past week. He is joining the roster under the hardship exemption, which allows the team to exceed the 15 player maximum. The team is missing several players due to injury and COVID health and safety protocols. Thomas last played an NBA game during the 2020-21 season when the New Orleans Pelicans signed him to also a 10-day contract.
0: Before that, I wonder when he played.
1: It's been a while.
0: Well, like, the name sounds familiar, but it, like, sounds familiar as in, like, I remember this from very many years ago, so.
1: Yeah, for the last two years, he's been playing in the G League, which is basically, like, the farm system for the, the NBA. Gangster League. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what it stands for,
0: but. The Gnome League. The Gangster Gnome League.
1: We're going to continue now. <laughs> okay. And other news, Steph Curry is now the league leader in career three-pointers made. He finished the game against the Knicks with 2,977 three-pointers for his career. That's exciting.
0: Okay, he's made 2,977 three-point shots? In his career, yes. Or he's gotten that many points worth of three-pointers? No. I mean, I don't think that's how that math would work.
1: That many three-pointers, not points for the three-pointers.
0: That's insane. Yeah.
1: He's been in the NBA for a while. Does
0: he only shoot three-pointers?
1: Well, He's predominantly a shooting guard, so yes. Okay. His job is to hit more three-pointers than anything. hmm Yeah. But considering he's probably got a good another four or five years left in him in his career, he's probably going to be able to put a few more onto that tally.
0: Do you think anyone will catch him?
1: Ever? I don't think so. The game would have to completely adapt to somebody that just shoots three-pointers all the time.
0: Well, I mean, we discuss a lot on the podcast and in our real life how the league is of the NHL has completely changed whereas like Gretzky would probably not be the record holder for as many things if he was playing now.
1: So I was watching a segment the other day where they were discussing this because obviously it was big news this week. It was an increase over like the last 10 years when it comes to people shooting three-pointers mm-hmm. is about like 10% over what we're averaged seeing over the careers with the NBA. So it's not a crazy increase, but the fact that it is an increase over how many two-point shots people are taking is is huge. Yeah, But yeah, like obviously in the earlier eras of basketball, it wasn't all about shooting three-pointers. It was about taking the easiest shot you could to score a higher percentage of points. Yeah. So I think that also affects why we're seeing so many games that are going to like these ridiculous 115 and 120-point games where back in like the 80s and 90s, if you got to 100 points, it was a crazy game.
0: Yeah. So. Hold on a second. I was going to ask... And I Googled it first, because I am who I am. If there had ever been a 200-point basketball game, and there hasn't, but there has been a 186 to 184, which happened in 1983 with the Detroit Pistons and the Denver Nuggets.
1: How many overtimes were included in that? I would imagine multiple. There's no way. I I'd...
0: asked a different question than that. Yeah, <laughs> It's fair. If you're talking about university basketball, though, people have gotten to 200. Yeah. But official NBA no, but it went into three overtimes for that game, apparently, in 1983.
1: I still feel like that's a really high score for three overtimes.
0: Well, if you're saying like a standard score was around 100, let's just say 100 for the 80s, 86 points in three overtimes yeah. for one side of the... F- I don't know. Why are we talking about this? This has nothing to do with what I'm trying to... Cause talk
1: Because you about. went down the Google spiral.
0: Yeah, that happens. <laughs>
1: Also this week, the Brooklyn Nets announced they will let Kyrie Irving play part-time for their away games outside of New York. For obvious reasons, he can't play inside Madison Square Garden because... he's not vaccinated. Right, and he can't play inside the Nets stadium because he's also unvaccinated. Actively at the moment, uh, he's been kind of retired. Uh, the best part about this is the day after they announced that they were going to bring him back part-time and starting to let him work out, he landed on the COVID protocol list with a positive test. Dumb. So it's just like, well, I guess he won't be playing quite as soon as they hoped he would be.
0: Dumb. Yeah. Also this week, the Brooklyn Nets forward Kevin Durant has been fined $25,000 for directing obscene language toward a fan. The incident took place in the second quarter of the Nets game against the Atlanta Hawks on Friday, December 10th. Why? Why? That's so unnecessary.
1: If you want to add some news to that as well, he's also now on the COVID 19 protocol list due to a positive Karma. test.
0: Karma. Karma. Yeah, jerk.
1: The Utah Jazz have hired former Boston Celtics executive Danny Iange. Ainge, Ainge? Ainge. As their new alternate governor and CEO. Alternate governor? That sounds so fancy. Right. What's your title? I'm the alternate governor of the Utah Jazz. The current Jazz GM, Justin Zanuck, will stay in his current role. Ainge served as the Boston Celtics president of basketball operations from 2003 until 2021, but retired in June. As you wrote in your notes, that didn't last long.
0: No, it didn't. I mean, I don't understand retiring and then immediately coming back. Like, did you have a good couple months off? How was your mini-retirement?
1: You can't really judge, though, because your GM did the exact same thing.
0: I can judge because I also judge him. So I judge them all equally. (laughs) Real quick, MLS news, because they're in the offseason now. Pablo Mastroen has become the permanent manager of Real Salt Lake. You can say it however you want, giving me that look. (laughs) He was named interim manager on August 27th. Then manager Freddie Juarez had left the club to become an assistant coach with the Seattle Sounders. Mastronin, Mastronny, Mastroni, Macaroni had previously been manager of the Colorado Rapids.
1: <laughs> I just I can't handle some of the attempts that you make sometimes. <laughs> They're truly ridiculous, Macaroni.
0: <laughs> that wasn't a serious one. Yeah. FC Cincinnati named Pat Noonan as the manager for the team on Tuesday, December 14th. The move sees him reunited with Cincinnati GM Chris Albright. They had worked together at the Philadelphia Union for the past four years. Prior to his stint in Philadelphia, he was an assistant with the LA Galaxy from 2013 to 2016.
1: He obviously played for some good teams. Obviously, the Philadelphia Union was one of the teams competing for the MLS Cup this year. So, like, he did something good before he left. Yeah. But moving on to the real world of soccer, the Premier League, uh, mostly what I have is COVID news because they are also dealing, dealing with, with it. The much new v- variant. Yeah, they're a little ahead of the curve too, compared to what we are here in the states. Ahead so. of
0: the curve is in doing things to mitigate it, or at like they have it worse than we do.
1: The second one. Mm. They definitely have it worse. The Premier League postponed all but one game yesterday due to COVID outbreaks amongst its clubs. Arsenal defeated Leeds United 4-1 to during the only game played on Saturday. Only four games are scheduled to be played of the original 10 games that were meant to be played this weekend due to COVID-19
0: outbreaks. Nice. Well, I
1: don't know that nice would be the word I'd use.
0: That was sarcasm.
1: Yeah. They're struggling. But... The heads of the English Premier League have announced that they have no plans to postpone the season to help keep the numbers down. However, they are now requiring players to test daily in order to have better data related to the spread of COVID throughout the league. This is so they can create better plans to contain the spread and better protect the athletes.
0: You know what would help?
1: Not playing games.
0: Correct. Yes.
1: I get the idea of trying to collect more data points so that you can understand it better, but it's another variant. This is the third one. Like, you can't use your old data for the new virus. It's just not how that works.
0: You know what helps mitigate all of your risk? Just not being together.
1: Yeah, it's just weird what's going on. I would say we could talk about COVID news in the Bundesliga, but there's really none going on because the Germans are handling it right. Good. (laughs) Go for the year. There obviously are still players that have been affected, but games are not having to be canceled or delayed at this point because the Bundesliga has been acting in preventative measures now for three weeks related to the Omicron virus. Uh, They've only had one test result positive for Omicron so far within the Bundesliga, so they seem to be doing everything more or less right. Actively, they are testing players daily. They are also testing people with rapid tests before the games, and they are required to wear masks in all indoor and outdoor facilities as long as they're not doing physical training. Go figure, if you do the right things, you have less likely to have to cancel games, albeit the Bundesliga and many states within Germany now are not allowing fans within the stadium or very small numbers. So like for the Dortmund-Bayern-Munich game that we saw just last week, we saw that they were only at 25% capacity for stadiums. The Premier League hasn't even cut down a percentage from the 100%. So go figure that there are issues still going on in the UK. But in better, brighter news, Robert Lewandowski sets the record for goals scored during a calendar year in the Bundesliga. The record belonged previously to Gerd Müller with 42 goals. Lewandowski scored his 43rd goal in a 4-0 win over VFL Wolfsburg. It's not a bad way to end the year. A little early Christmas gift to Lewandowski. He already broke the total regular season goal count. Earlier this year, of Gerd Muller, and now he's taking the annual calendar year goal count as well. Kudos to him. But speaking of soccer, in the highest level, we have the Champions League and the Europa League Final 16 announced for both. The Champions League was a little rough to watch the drawing for because they screwed up an electronic draw somehow. I'm not sure how they managed to do that. But they had two teams paired together that already played each other in the previous round, which is against the bylaws of the Champions League. It was your team involved, Manchester United, Mm -hmm. uh, playing a team of Villarreal, which they were already paired against in the previous round. You already beat them twice, so...
0: Maybe we should have just kept them.
1: Yeah, you'd had to beat them two more times to really truly move on, but... uh, It was against the bylaws, so they redrew about an hour later. Leaving these final teams of the starting round of 16, we are expecting the games to take place between the time period of February 15th and March 16th. Each team will have one home game, obviously one away game, to play against each other, and then the aggregate will be added to decide who moves forward. We have Sporting CP versus Manchester City, PSG versus Real Madrid, Red Bull Salzburg versus Bayern Munich. Inter Milan versus Liverpool, Chelsea versus Lille, Villarreal versus Juventus, Benfica versus Ajax, Atletico Madrid versus Manchester United. Mm -hmm. Some of those are tough, some of them not so much. We'll just see how it all really shakes out because honestly, in the round of 16, it could go any way for any of these teams. They're all decent. There's a reason they're there. You know, they didn't just get there by a chance. Moving on to the Europa League, we have Sevilla versus Dynamo Zagreb. Atalanta versus Olympiakos. Red Bull Leipzig versus Real Sociedad. Barcelona versus Napoli. Zenit St. Petersburg versus Real Betis. Borussia Dortmund versus the Rangers. Not Texas Rangers, not the New York Rangers, but that of not Scotland.
0: Not Walker, Texas Ranger.
1: No. Sheriff Tiraspol, which I'm sure is wrong. It's probably like from Turkey or something like that and more Arabic based, but versus Braga. And then you have Porto versus Lazio. Again, still pretty good games across the board. I'm excited to see both tournaments go on, um, but we're not expecting anything to kick off until February 15th, barring any additional delays due to COVID. So we'll see what happens. But that pretty much wraps up the sports episode. It's definitely longer than I expected, but I think that has a lot to do with all the COVID news we had and then the Kyle Beach stuff. So, you know, things and stuff, stuff and things.
0: We're going to be taking next week off because it's Christmas. But we will be back in the new year.
1: We will also be back this Thursday for a book episode.
0: So make sure you check that out. Also check out all of our social media. We'll have the links for that in our show notes.
1: And we'll catch you next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Detroit Red Red Wings. Red Wings. I love this freaking (laughs) retainer. It makes me say things so weird.